every episode of Final Space. 23 fans, storyboard artists, producers, composers, animators, designers, voice actors. Welcome to Volume 3 of the Into Final Space Podcast, hosted by Gabe Jones. We're back with another episode of Into Final Space. We're nearing the end, and today we're hitting Final Space Season 2, Episode Number 10, The Lost Spy. We've got another new guest, background designer Liza Epps, and we've got our fan track CN Lindsay ready to go. Let's dive in. All right, I am on Skype today. Uh, Lindsay is joining me as my fan track scene on this episode, and we have Liza as our crew member from the crew of Final Space. Thank you guys so much for being here. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great too. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me as well. Awesome. Well, thank you guys, of course, uh, again for being here. Uh, if we can just hit a little introduction first, uh, Liza, can you tell us what you do on Final Space? Sure. So I worked on both season one and season two of Final Space, and it was pretty exciting to be on a pilot season of Final Space because we had a lot of artistic freedom in designing and creating this world that hadn't we didn't know what it was going to look like. We literally, the team just pulled together something very beautiful um, and different. So I did a lot of background design. Um, I did a lot of concept design. Um, so yeah, most of my work was in world building. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you on the podcast this season. And uh, Lindsay, is there anything you want to tell us about yourself uh, or why you love Final Space so much? Um, well... I, Final Space is just this really interesting show to me because this is a sh adult cartoon that isn't just strictly comedy, which is really uh, rare in Western animation. So I love this show because it tries to push the mold and tell uh, this really amazing sci-fi based story. And it still has its elements of humor, which I definitely appreciate, but it always tries to push the mold. Also, it's just a very gorgeous show on the whole. So I just love that show for that. And any chance I get to talk about it, <laughs> absolutely and we are excited to chat about it today um as usual i am stepping back i'll be moderating the conversation throwing some stuff in here and there uh, adding a little spice um but Lindsay uh, is gonna take over with the questions and you can go ahead and ask your first one all righty so there's a lot of really pretty gorgeous pa uh, planet alien architecture in this episode um Galang, the happy place. Um, the, I'm thinking in particular that scene where uh, John and Cheryl on their first date and you just get this really gorgeous scene on an alien planet. Um, I guess I was just wondering, was there any like particular inspiration for that? How did you guys kind of um, go through that process and come up with a lot of that gorgeous imagery? Uh, that's a great question, Lindsay. It's funny you bring up that scene because that was one of my favorite ones I got to design in the episode. And um, I actually found that this was going to be the moment in the episode where Cheryl and John, we acknowledge it's not just a, you know, she's spying on him. She's fallen in love with him. So it has to be romantic. And I, I didn't want it to look like 
the PCH in California. I wanted it to look different. So I pulled some natural inspiration from an area in Eastern Sierras uh, called Devil's Post Pile. And they have hexagon based rocks. And I thought it would be really pretty to have these almost soft like rocks pulling out of the ground as if they were once pillars. Um, I also think it's pretty romantic to make it look like you're underwater. So I, I had seagrass as if it were almost underwater, but we're above water. I don't know if you've heard of Vasquez rocks, but that's a huge inspiration for me on this show. Um, and Vasquez rocks has a lot of, it's not vertical, horizontal rocks. It's literally, you know, sideways and it's pushing out of the ground. And so I feel like that's very romantic. And then three suns instead of one would make it feel alien. Um, so that's actually, even though it's a very simple background to do, I'm very, I'm very proud of that one. So, uh, another world, um, I was looking at was um galang's that planet was really fun i got to design the interior of the queen's room and it was great to look at medieval it was actually almost a challenge looking at medieval um concepts and and room designs and then trying to make it look sci-fi and um i found that the sci-fi element when you're combining different culture or like different styles medieval and outer space um it's always in the light fixtures so a lot of light fixtures are very modern and then it's contrasted with the wood and the arch ceilings and the medieval aspect of you know feeling like it's a queen's court that's super neat. So it seems like on the whole, you generally just try to pull from a variety of like natural sources on uh, Earth and try to twist them into something a little more sci-fi. Yeah, I pretty much it was a mashup of, you know, what we would see if we were snorkeling, right? You know, it's beautiful swaying seagrass for the, the memory and um, Cheryl's memory with John Godspeed and uh, on this planet that we don't ever visit again, but it feels like a memory, right? It's soft, mm -hmm. it's it's relatable. We we know how it feels to look at an ocean and feel the, the heat of that sun. Well, and I think that's awesome too, because the fact that you put so much like attention to detail in that one moment, it does make it stick out. Like that is one of the scenes I remember the clearest from that episode, even after we watched it. Like, I mean, it's probably been a few months now, um, it just sticks out in your head. So I think that's really awesome. That's cool. I'm so glad you picked that one out. I, I, you know, it's, it's such a small moment, but I'm glad that registered for you and it felt different enough to be, a you know, that you remembered it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, we don't often get to talk to background designers, uh, on the podcast. Um, so it's really great to have you on, of course. Um, and you just kind of hear this stuff because there are those scenes that, the background can make all the difference and final space is a really great show to highlight that. Um, cause there's a lot of great designers on the show, especially with, you know, the art that we've seen coming out, uh, from, from season three and stuff. Um, but yeah, there's, there's those moments throughout season two and season one, of course, that the, the background kind of just highlights the moment. And that's, I agree. That's one of the, the big moments from, from lost spy was that, that moment with, with Cheryl and John. Yeah. And you, you, it, I'm glad that it could add to that romantic moment where, you know, there was a vulnerability almost with that 
them having that moment together and then, you know, and following with, with Cheryl revealing the secret, um, and betraying John, I think it, you feel it even more because we were on that date with them, you know? So sure. it was good writing that they put that scene in it too. <laughs> I just had fun with the natural elements and I tried to make it super romantic. Yeah. And it's, well, it's really, think... sorry. Uh, yeah. It's, it's really cool. Uh, the amount of inspiration that you got to pull from, um, and hearing all your, you know, where you were looking, um, it wasn't just one place. Um, and we hear that a lot from a lot of designers, uh, whether it's proper background on final space, uh, characters and trying to look for things that are a little different to really kind of punch final space through something on its own autonomous type design so it's really cool to see all right uh let's do another question all right um i have to ask this because i know dad speed is a big part of the fandom what were your thoughts on the dad speed that happened this episode um, well, I mean, with the, with the memory, um, that's one of the things that, you know, we, we finally got the backstory and then on top of it, having, um, Gary and little avocado, like little Cotto, like I love little Cotto when he was brought into the series and it was just, you wanted that moment, right? We had that betrayal. We felt it. We felt it for little Cotto. And then, um, then it's just a funny, you know, they're in the middle of the fight. So it, it, and there was a lot of heart in this episode. I think you have the betrayal of Gary's parents. Right. And then contrasting with the comedy of Gary, like all of a sudden being like, I'll adopt you. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty great. There's a lot of family element. And that was a great moment too, because, Little Kata was about to betray him. And of course, he's not going to betray Gary. And so it's great. I loved that. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a great addition to, and a surprise, like as an artist, when we're in table reads and there's a lot of energy in the room when we go through table reads and it's really fun to feel the crew all like, oh, awesome, you know, and laugh together. And so it's good. It was good. I'm sure you loved it too. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was definitely my favorite part of the episode. I, um, alongside the, I just really think Cheryl was an interesting character. So I loved getting to hear her backstory. Um, but also, uh, yeah, the Gary little Cato moment. You're right. It was a lot of buildup that finally paid off in that episode, in that moment. It was just a really gorgeous scene. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and Gary, it was sincere, right? He was in the middle of a, of a gunfight and he had a sincere, heartful moment where almost the bullets flying by them didn't matter. It was just about like, oh, you you need a paternal father and I would be honored in a way to be that person in some, you know, how they would define their relationship. It's not going to be the same as like, you know, little Cotto and Avocado, so. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think this was, it was, I, I think it was one of everybody's favorite moments of not only this episode, but this season, um, was the, the adoption scene. And uh, I think it, it, it props to the writers for just 
be able to contrast that with like like you said with with Cheryl abandoning Gary um because you have that scene right before where she gives him up and runs away and then you have Gary kind of paying back what he didn't get to have by adopting mm-hmm. little Kato. it was really great to see yeah it was a sweet moment it was good I like that it was during a gunfight <laughs> yeah that yeah the, uh, the, the comedic effect of, of that was was really good too yeah and then you know and then um the one of the whatever the bad guy was i'm blanking on his name but he brings down his gun he's like go ahead you know right. he was even caught up in the moment which was a really great little little addition to that scene sure the bounty guy yeah i think it was the yeah that was great awesome let's do another question all right. I, I think you may have sort of answered this already, but I guess I wanted to see if there was um, any other scene or moment in this sh- uh, episode that you were really proud of and you just kind of wanted to gush about. Um, so I loved, it's kind of nerdy, but we're all sci-fi nerds here. I really right. loved doing, <laughs> so one of the best parts of working on the show was pulling reference from like, all things that I loved growing up. And um, I love the designer. I don't know if you know of the designer, Sid Mead. He did the concept design for um, Blade Runner. So I had studied a lot of his work um, in anticipation on going on the show. And a big, you know, a big scene. It's it's this, the concept that he did for Blade Runner um, for Deckard's uh, kitchen is phenomenal. If you ever have a chance to look it up, Google it. It's just mind blowing how beautiful it is. And it, it has so much character, right? So I loved actually working in the memories because um, the scene near the end where the betrayal happens is a flashback to when Gary is a baby. So it, it can't feel like it's taking place in the current setting of the show. It has to feel retro. So I used a lot of inspiration from Sid Mead and I, I was trying to find creative ways to use light and the bookshelf. If you, if you see the bookshelf is kind of, you know, off center, it's a half circle, like ways in which we would reconstruct a living room, but bringing elements of sci-fi, but it still needs to feel like a home. It still needs to feel like it's loved, you know, Gary's crib. I pitched that he's, it's a floating crib and my art director really liked that idea. So I got to design this little funky floating crib device. Um, that would be so awesome if we can have that <laughs> as floating cribs, the next, you know, the next steps, hopefully we'll get there. That would be pretty great. Um, and there was also the medical bay at the start, the very first, I loved doing the medical bay. Um, I actually, when you go back and if you have a chance to look at it, I, a lot of my concept designs, I do a lot of light passes. So before I clean up and get the line ready for the show, you want to create the mood and a lot of it's in the lighting. So I, again, tried to find creative ways to make this seem like, you know, these medical bay, uh, they're not beds, but they're like incubators for healing people, making those feel like they're actually functional. And that's a big part of background design is you don't just want to make something that looks cool. You want it to actually feel like if I'm going to open it, 
this is where it's going to be. And these tubes are going to bring airflow or whatever it needs um, or oxygen. Um, so I think that's the fun part of background design is getting to imagine the functions and also make it look pretty cool. So, um, and those are like, you know, they're, they're not, they fit in the world, but, um, I do, I'm really proud of being able to bring in Sid Mead's influence and, um, as a little nod to him. So. They are very distinctive and very like eye-catching designs, but they do feel very real. And, um, and when you mentioned the, um, crib, I do like have very distinct, like I can remember that, um, very well. And also it, it, uh, kind of, since we're just talking about nerdy influences anyway, it kind of reminded me of Dragon Ball Z, like, how oh, that's awesome. those, like, yeah, I had those like sort of like recovery pads. It gave me the same kind of vibe and, um, I think it's probably because they come back to it a few episodes later, but I very distinctly remember Gary crying, um, like pressed up against that crib. It was just a, it was both something I could see happening and just a very like, like, I can't think of the word, but it was just very like eye catching and I thought it was really neat. Sure. Yeah, you want, it's like, okay, so Gary is about to get separated from his mom. We don't, you know, she's leaving. So the crib almost, I wanted it to feel still a little sterile and cold. So I, it's cool to hear your response to that because that he is behind the glass, right? She's not holding him. There's no like love exchange. It's like, she's yelling to, you know, shut up theoretically. And I wish you were never born. That's not exactly a heartwarming thing a mother's going to say. And that turns the audience against Cheryl. And in effect, we feel him behind the glass. Um, so something like, that we could not use a non, I mean, we could not use a traditional crib because that's not going to feel sci-fi, but feeling that like, almost like he's contained in that crib, um, as an accessory to her, her betrayal. Uh, so I'm glad that that came over, you know, for you that, that translated, it's pretty cool. It's the small things that we do really think about and what was so wonderful about working with Final Space and working with my my art director was the freedom for us to bring ideas and um, he loved them like he's like great and if it if it wasn't working he'll say okay this scene is too cluttered right ultimately at the end of the day we're providing a stage for the characters so we want to not have to overwhelm them and overwhelm the space where we're just staring at the backgrounds we're not paying attention to the plot so. That's the juggle. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, let's do another question, Lindsay. All right. It's With that last question, you kind of touched on this, but I guess I wanted to just see if there was anything you could expand on and, like, what is your overall process in deciding, like, what works for the backgrounds, what doesn't? Like, how does that all kind of work behind the scenes? Yeah, definitely. Um, so a big part of it, for me is trying to read the, the mood. What's the mood? What's happening in the scene? Where, where could we complement the characters? Are the characters moving, you know, across the stage in a way that we might want to redirect the eye and keep the, the shapes around the character pointing towards, um, 
towards their movement and not contrasting with it. Um, you know, we do this thing. It's a black shadow pass. It's like an inky comic book pass um, where we go in after we do the designs and then we, we use black and literally black out so that, so when it's painted, it's, it's the shadows are that much richer because there's black, you know, in places versus like, maybe it's a, you know, gray down shadow, whatever. It's just dark. Um, so knowing that we're playing, we're making, I mean, season two was significantly darker than season one. And so therefore a lot of my process was, well, where can I have fun with the light? Where can I have the light draw attention to the characters? Um, I don't know. I can't remember the, I think it's episode four. Maybe it was the one where um, we went and saw a uh, little Kato's um, house. And I did this crystal pass of these glowing crystals and, you know, using like very vertical horizontal lines and in a very naturalistic setting of these glowing crystals. But that was all about the light. Like they're going to have a fight scene. It's going to be bright red and there's going to be lots of light pointing and falling versus having lines that might get lost in paint. If that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to describe it without showing, but, um, but a lot of it was using light to direct the direct the, the uh, audience's eyes to the characters. Yeah, and that's that's another element of Final Space I, I personally really love is that it's not just flat. It's very dynamic and adds to that whole cinematic feel uh, to the entire show. And the, the lighting definitely makes up a lot of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, lighting in that sh in the show is gorgeous. So, yeah, yeah definitely. And uh, Lindsay, do you have one last question? Yeah. Um, is there any particular advice you would like to give the people aspiring to work within the industry? Yes. Um, tons of advice. Um, you are. I'm always learning. You know, I. I'm always trying to learn from my peers, learn from, um, you know, tutorials, studying movies, um, studying TV shows that I like. I'm always humbled by the experience that I, I do feel very lucky that I'm able to work in animation and it's wonderful to actually get paid to draw. So feeling you know, feeling like you have to keep your craft and you keep your skills up to par. I had a mentor um, tell me that it's 10,000 pencil miles and before you really start to get it. And I, after working in animation for over 10 years, I can still say I'm still learning things. Um, reaching out and always getting feedback on your work is really important. I would say that I sought out a lot of mentorship when I was getting into the business. Um, I would do my own designs and I would almost like someone writing a spec script. This is a design I would do for a show. If I were working on the show, what do you think of it? And just get feedback and learn from it. And that's it. And then the next design, you're just a little bit better and a little stronger. If you're specifically into background design perspective, just being super confident in knowing 
how to move the horizon, also understanding um, you're building out a little world, so you don't want the table to not fit an actual table. Uh, if the character is going to walk up to the table, it's going to have to be the size of a table that we would walk walk up to. Um, so just understanding proportions is really important. Yeah, and just practicing. If you love it, which I do, I love to draw, like, you just keep pushing yourself, you know? So are you an artist? Um, yeah, I'm actually a film major at... Um, University of Michigan, so. Oh, awesome. <laughs> That's so great. Well, yeah, so. you get it, you know, tenacity, right? It's hard. The creative path, it's it's hard because, you know, as, as artists, like, this is what we, you know, I, I love all the work that I do. So I want my art director to like it. I want him to give me positive feedback. You know, I, so there's a vulnerability aspect to putting yourself out there too. But, um, yeah, with your craft, it's the same thing. Just putting in the hours and just getting feedback. It's the best advice I can give. I, I am so much better for it. All right. Thank you for that. That was incredible advice. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Those that's excellent advice. Uh, and I think that's going to wrap it for us. So thank you guys both for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for some excellent questions, Lindsay, and some really awesome answers, Liza. Well, thank you for having me. It was so nice to meet you, Lindsay. It was so awesome to meet you too. And yes, thank you for having me as well. Thanks for tuning in and sitting down with Lindsay and me as we chatted with Liza. Make sure you hop on over to the Into Final Space Discord server and you can chat with us after you give this episode a listen. For more on the podcast, follow at Into Final Space on Instagram and Twitter, and give me a follow at Gabriel W. Jones on Instagram and Twitter as well. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Into Final Space. Thanks, guys.